the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He is absolute in his power. He is over all, through all, and he is in all. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. And now for today's Core Truth, we are picking up in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. There's only one church. There's just one. There's not all these, well, what are you? Which denomination are you from? There's one body of believers in Jesus Christ. There's only one Lord that's over that body of believers. And if you know Jesus, you are part of the body of Christ. You are his church. His church is not the building. It's not the edifice. It's not this building. The only reason this building is considered the church is because we are in it. That's it. You're the church. You. And God dwells in you. And Jesus is the head. Colossians 1.18 just said, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He's the head. Verse 5 of Ephesians 4 said, there is just one Lord. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then it said, there's one faith. I like what Jude, there's only one chapter in Jude, but Jude chapter 3, or Jude verse 3, I should say, there's only one chapter, verse 3 says, and faith delivered to the saints, it says, beloved, while I was making every effort to write about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to all saints, the faith, just one faith. Yes, our common salvation, our common faith, it is simple and it's true. It's the gospel message, it's the good news. Jesus came to the earth for one reason, to die. He was buried in a grave and he rose again from the dead. It goes on to say in verse 5, there's one baptism. We are separated 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For there is one spirit and we're all baptized into the one body. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, And do you not know that you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now the Spirit of God dwells in you. Again, it's not that the Spirit of God dwells in his church. He dwells in the church only because we're two or more gathered in his name. He's there in their midst. But if we all got up right now and walked into the parking lot, well, now the Spirit of God's no longer in this sanctuary. He's outside in the parking lot. Why? Because that's where we are. He just goes right with us. If we walk over to the parking garage over here at Kaiser, then the Spirit of God's over there then. And all of a sudden you come over here, but here's the church. Isn't the Spirit of God still in the sanctuary? No. He's with us over there. See, it's wherever we go. Look again at verse 6. One God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So again, there's only one God. 
He is all-powerful. He is absolute in his power. He is over all, through all, and he is in all. And as we become more absorbed in his purpose, as we become more absorbed in his plan, as we abide in him, he will abide in us. Yes, he is the creator. And let's not forget that he is the one who made us, not the other way around. See, progressive Christianity comes in and says, well, I don't like this and I don't like this and I don't agree with that. And my God would not do that. Well, your God is not the God of the Bible then because you don't get to pick and choose. He's the creator. We're the created. So we do what he says, whether we personally agree with it or we personally don't agree with it. It doesn't matter. We do what God says to do. That's just the way that it is. He's the creator. I like what it says in Isaiah 44, 24 it says, thus says the Lord, your redeemer and the one who formed you from the womb. I, the Lord, am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading out the earth all alone, meaning you weren't there with me. You didn't help make it all. So when you come, when we come to him, we come to him and we humble ourselves. And that's what, again, like, I like the way that Paul started most of his letters. You know, uh, Paul, a bond slave of the Lord. I'm a, I'm a slave by my own free will and desire. I come and I submit myself to him. I bow down to him. You know, I, I honor him and worship him. Yes, we're all called to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. We've been called by the creator of the universe to be like he is. That's why Peter went on to say, uh, you know, that we would be holy even as he is holy. Which brings up our point, a royal gift. Man, we all like gifts, don't we? God, it's like, man, we've been given a gift from God. Let's pick up and read what it says here. Ephesians 4 verse 7 says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given as a gift from God. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, uh, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended above all the heaven that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, the body of Christ, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Wow, there's a lot there. We'll only touch some of it. But the Bible depicts heaven as a place in which God dwells. It is God's dominion. The cherubims again cry out, Holy, holy, holy in his presence. It's a place where we will one day have a new body, a spiritual body, and we will see God, each one of us, face to face. We will live there together in the presence of God because he has allowed us to be co-inheritors of heaven. 
And we will be filled with God's joy. We'll be filled with his peace. That's what's promised to each believer. And you can take notes here so that you have it very clearly in your mind of the two different places that every human being will go to. They will go to either heaven or they will go to hell. So there's a heaven that I just described where we will see God face to face. You and me will have a new body. We'll be able to see the presence of God in all of his glory. No human being has seen the glory of God unfiltered. Jesus was a filtered piece of God. He was, he was God in the flesh, but it was filtered so that we could see him. No one has seen the glory of God unfiltered, but we will see that one day as we stand in heaven. But then there's hell. Hell is a real place. It's a place of everlasting punishment that was not prepared for human beings. It was prepared for the devil and his angels, the fallen angels. Isaiah 14, 15 says that the devil will be thrust down to hell one day. He's not there yet. We will see this confirmed in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 at the end of the tribulation period where the devil is thrown into the lake of fire to be tortured for all eternity. We must understand, especially as true believers, that every single person that we see, that we know, the people we work with, our neighbors, along with everybody that we don't know, will go to one of these two places. Now, that should be strikingly, uh, you know, it should strike us inside of our soul, like, like everyone we know. Have they made that decision of where they're going to go? Because if they have not made a decision for Christ, then it's making a decision for hell. And it's just like, this is why we are so critical here in these last days. Because you could be the only liaison. You could be the only, that person that God has put in that other person's path that you could at least, you know, try to woo them over to the kingdom. Now, many will say, how could a God of love send someone to hell. So this again, progressive Christians will come in and say this. Well, my God would never do that. Well, have you ever read the Bible? You know, you almost wonder with some people like, have you ever read the Bible? Like you say that you're some type of a believer, but the Bible talks more of judgment than it does of the joy of heaven. Think about that. Now, why is that? Why would God talk more about judgment than about you know, the the prospects of heaven because he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. So he's going to warn you about it. He's going to talk about it and he talks a lot about it. Think about that. Talks a lot about it. So how would a God of love send someone to hell? And I would just, again, answer, well, God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's why he's warning people all through the scripture. That's why God came to the earth. That's why he physically lived as a human being, as a man, Jesus Christ. Again, why? Because every single person has sinned. We've all sinned. We've all lied. The Bible says no liar will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Well, that just cuts out seven, seven and a half billion people on planet earth. Who hasn't lied? Is there anyone here that's never told a lie? It's like, please don't raise your hand. Because it's like, you're lying right now. <laughs> it's like, it's like we, we've all told, you know, and we, we'll call them little white lies. I mean, you know, like, you know, there's times we want to be nice, you know, it's like, you know, your wife puts on an outfit. How does this look? It's like, great. <laughs> you know, your best friend comes out with an outfit and you're just like, did anyone tell you that like stripes and plaids don't go together? 
you know, uh, you know, and, and we, you know, we'll say, oh, it looks great. You know, we, we just, we don't want to hurt people's feelings, you know, but the bottom line is no liar will enter the kingdom of heaven. You're thinking, well, then who can get to heaven? Nobody. That's the whole point. No one can get to heaven on their own. Cause look, we all know people that are, let's just say in a worldly sense, relatively good people right? Don't, don't we all? I mean, I, I, I've known several people, you know, I used to sell construction equipment and, you know, in construction equipment, you build relationships with people that you sell your equipment to. And I had a lot of relationships with a lot of different companies and buyers and all of this stuff. And, you know, some of them were scoundrels and you kind of know some of them are just total ripoff artists and they're trying to gouge you everywhere they can. And, and then there's other people that are just, man, they're just good people, man. They're, they're like honest. I mean, I have met non-believers that seem to be more uh, honorable than believers. And their word is their bond, their handshake is their contract. And, and I mean, I've had guys that just, because I said so, I'm gonna stick with what I said. Well, you don't have to, you don't have to buy this because, you know, no, I said I would and I, I am. And it, it just, there, there's just good people in the world's eyes that, that have a high, uh, how would you say it? They have an integrity level that is higher than most other people. And I think we've met people like that. And then there's just the total scumbags. <laughs> it's like, you can't trust anything. They open their mouth, you're lying. It's like, you know, it's like, hello, I woke up today. Somehow it's a lie. You must be walking in your sleep right now. And there's just other people. So we've met all the range, right? From the super integrity filled to just, the, you know, the person you couldn't trust the, as far as you could throw this building. But at the same time, even the best of the best, they can't get to heaven. Think about that. They, they can't get there because why? There's still sin. Sin is missing the mark of perfection. Everyone's missed the mark of perfection. So we just have to understand, no one can get to heaven because every single person has sinned. You know, we all have broken God's commandments, some a lot, some just a little. So God came to this earth to save sinners. He goes, I didn't come to save the righteous. Oh, you're righteous? Okay, I'll let you figure it out on your own. I came to save sinners. So those that are willing to say, I'm not perfect and I have done wrong, okay? And he's not willing that any one of those people should perish without knowing him. He wants us all to come to salvation, Yes, Jesus died, then he rose and he ascended to heaven. But before he rose and ascended to heaven, he descended to the lower parts of the earth, we're told here in Ephesians 4. Some would say, well, that simply refers to the physical earth. Okay, Jesus was here, he descended here to the earth, okay? But I believe that this refers to, just like it says, to the lower parts. What are the lower parts? parts. Well, first we must recognize that every single place in the entire Bible that talks about hell or the grave, every place that it says hell in your Bible, except for 12 places, is not talking about the hell that's filled with fire and the wrath of God. So think about that, especially if you have a King James Bible, every place it says hell is not talking about the hell, fire, and brimstone, except for 12 places. Because nobody is in that hell yet. 
That will happen at the end of time when God judges every man and every woman. In fact, it's after the millennial reign. So you have the tribulation period. At the end of the tribulation period, Jesus comes, puts his foot on the Mount of Olives, makes a new heaven and a new earth. He rules for a thousand years. Then Satan is released from a holding tank, you know, for a season. We don't know how long that season is. Ten years, uh, three weeks, uh, two weeks, ten days, uh, another hundred years, a, a thousand years. We don't know. And then at the end of that time, that's when the great white throne judgment happens. Now, know this. In the Old Testament, hell is mentioned 31 times in the King James Bible. So if you have a King James Bible, it's mentioned 31 times. And every single time, it's the Hebrew word Sheol, which means a place of the dead, a place of departed souls, the grave. That's how it's determined. And in the New Testament, hell is mentioned 22 times in the New Testament. Okay, so that's a total of, what, 53 times that the word hell is used in the Bible. Now, 10 of those times out of the 52 in the New Testament, which is only 22 times in the New Testament, it's the Greek word Hades, which means the place of departed souls. So, Again, all 31 times in the Old Testament and 10 of the 22 times in the New Testament, which is 41 times total, it means either Sheol or Hades, which is the place of departed souls. Same thing. So it means that if you don't know uh, God as your Savior, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it means that you go to this place called Sheol or Hades. Again, it's a place of departed souls. It's the grave. So, uh, but not all people in the Old Testament went to this place, of course, because there was people like Elijah that was caught up in a whirlwind and he was taken up to heaven. So people that believed in God, they went to heaven. Uh, Enoch, it says he walked with God and then he was not because God took him. Then there was Moses, you know, and, you know, he met with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration along with Elijah. And, uh, you know, so obviously they were in heaven and they were able to come down and visit with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. But for those who died as godly men and women in the Old Testament, they went to a place called Abraham's bosom. And those who died that didn't have a relationship with God, you know, heathens, pagans, they went to the grave awaiting judgment. So Goliath, that was mocking God and all the Philistines, boom, they go to a place of judgment. They went to Sheol, the place of departed souls. Now, these two places, Abraham's bosom... And Sheol were kind of like right side by side with each other here. You know, one's a place of beauty and blessing and the other place is a place of torment. Uh, Now, we have this picture that Jesus painted of this place and he talked about it and it's in the book of Luke. Let me uh, read it to you here in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 says this. Now, there was a certain rich man. Jesus is telling a story here, and he's given us a picture of these two places. So there's a certain rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple, which was, of course, only rich people could afford. And it was made of fine linen and gaily living in splendor every day. So this guy had tons of money. And there was a certain poor man named Lazarus who laid by his gate covered in sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. 
verse 22, it says, Now it came about that the poor man died, and he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. So obviously this poor beggar had a relationship with God, okay? And the rich man also died, and he was buried in the grave, Sheol, place of departed souls, okay? So he was a non-believer. And in Hades, okay, because this is a New American Standard, if you had a King James, it would say, and in hell, okay, so this is in the New Testament, so it's the uh, Greek word Hades, which is equal to the Hebrew word uh, Sheol, place of departed souls. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Abraham far away. So he could see Abraham's bosom where all the true believers went. And Lazarus was in his bosom. And he cried out and he says, Father Abraham, this is the rich man. And he says, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool off my tongue for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember, you know, that during your life, you received all the good things and likewise, Lazarus, bad things. But now he is being comforted here and you are in agony, meaning you had an opportunity to walk with God and you didn't. You chose to do it your own way. You chose to live in your own lifestyle. We all know people like this. In fact, the majority of people we know are like this. Verse 26, and besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm fix in order that those who wish to come over from here to you may not be able to, not that anyone would want to go over there, and then that none of you can cross over from there to us. Verse 27, and he said, then I beg you, so this is Lazarus, the rich man again, who's suffering here in this place called uh, Hades, Sheol, place of departed souls. He goes, all right. So my life's over. There's nothing I can do about this misery. He goes, I beg you, Father Abraham, that you send him, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Like, okay, if, if I'm stuck here and there's nothing I can do about my plight, let me warn my brothers so they don't come here. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, meaning they have the word of God. The Torah has been given to them, the Pentateuch, the law of God. Let them hear them. But he says, no, Father Abraham. He goes, I know my brothers won't listen to the word of God. No, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, if they don't listen to the word of God, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Wow. Wow. How sad. If they wouldn't listen to the teaching of the word of God, they wouldn't listen to someone who was risen from the dead if Lazarus' poor beggar came back to life. That's why God has given us worthy gifts. Gifts to share the love that Jesus came to die for us. Yes, the majority of the world doesn't listen to this gift. The majority of the world doesn't listen to the teaching of God's word. Notice this place of the grave, this place where every person who has ever died is at, meaning those who have rejected Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The only reason that they are there is, again, because they rejected God's answer to salvation. Jesus conquered death and the grave. He rose again from the dead, but yet how many people listened to him? 
And like it said in Ephesians 4, 8, he led captivity captive through his death and resurrection. He conquered Satan and death, and he returned to heaven victoriously. Now, every single person who dies as a Christian goes immediately to heaven. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Yes, for us to live is the opportunity to serve Christ. And for us to die is gain as believers. We get to go home. We get to be with Jesus. But for those who have rejected Jesus, when they die, they will await judgment. And they will go into a place of the grave, the place of departed souls. And then in the end, they will be tortured even more. For the other 12 places in the New Testament that talk about hell, they are not the place of the grave. They're not the place of departed souls. 11 of them are from the 11 words in the New Testament for hell are the Greek word Gienna. It's defined as a place of everlasting punishment. Jesus used this when he used this in the word in Matthew 10, 28. He says, and do not fear those who kill the body. Don't fear those who can kill you. Don't fear, fear COVID that can kill you. Don't fear anything, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him, fear God, who's able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. He says, in Guiana, in an everlasting punishment. People say, what do you mean? I'm supposed to fear God? Isn't God love? It's like, yes, but when you fear God, and you understand that his word is true, and you submit yourself to him, then you fear nothing else in the world. Nothing. That's all the time we have for our message. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Court Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Court Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Court Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at courtchurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.